some things are really complicated, right? Some things don't make any sense and we just can't understand them. Like that, um, like what Squirt was saying there. I don't know if it's actually recognizable language or not, but uh, Nemo didn't get it. No, that's not Nemo. What's his name? Marlon. Marlon didn't get it. I didn't get it. But, <laughs> um, but there's just some things I don't understand. And here's, here's just a few of them. Uh, first of all, I don't understand why my parents keep batteries in the fridge, okay? Anybody else's parents do that or just mine? Literally just mine. Wow. Okay, well, I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? Okay. Uh, other things I don't understand. I don't understand Starbucks. I'm not saying I don't like Starbucks, but, like, does anyone else remember their first time they went to Starbucks and, like, had to order a drink in a different language? Like, I just have to memorize my order. And then if they ask any questions, I'm just like, Emily, 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 they asked me a question. I wasn't prepared for this. Do you want the bente or the grande? And I'm like, whichever one's bigger. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so other things I don't understand. I do not understand how Chinooks fly, okay? Like, a, a flying metal banana, right? Like, that looks... Physically, it looks photoshopped, right? And I talked to a Chinook pilot, and he's like, yeah, like, we don't know how they fly. Like, they're designed to rip each other in half, but instead they just go up in the air. So nobody understands how they fly. Um, lastly, I don't understand why anyone would be an Eagles fan. Uh, I said it. Okay? I said it. Go Cowboys. All right, so anyway, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things in life, there's a lot of, America's team, there's a lot of things in life that are just hard to understand, okay, and, and there's a lot of passages, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I think are also hard to understand, at least for me, um, on my own, and in my opinion, the passage that we're going to look at today, which is First uh, Peter 1 and 1 Peter 1, one and two, uh, to me, that's kind of hard to understand. Um, and it's not because it uses like big complicated words, um, but because there's just so much information in just a little tiny, um, like one or two sentences. I mean, there's like seven commas in one sentence. So that probably wouldn't pass on, on the English test. Um, I understand it wasn't written in English, but um, like that's a lot of information and, uh, like, how do you handle hard verses? Like, I don't know how many times I just read these two verses. And I was like, what? What is it saying? I'm like, okay, Matt, focus. Like, you can do that. Like, you can understand this. And I read them again. I'm just like, what is it saying? Like, like wh- what, is it, what is it trying to tell me? Um, and it's, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes you, you can't understand on your own. And I think specifically in those times, I think all times you read the Bible, you should pray for the Holy Spirit to, to help you interpret the scripture and help you understand, to make it clear. Um, some other tools that, that I like to use is other people as well and um, a study Bible. I don't know if you guys have a study Bible, but uh, Emily pointed this out as I was going over this week. And so here is what we're talking about right here. From this line to this line. Those are the verses. Everything else is like extra. 
that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of stuff. But, but through this, it helps you understand the scripture. It helps you understand what these two verses are trying to say. Um, so that's just kind of my plug for study Bibles. And at the end, I'll, if you don't have a study Bible, I encourage you, there's an app that I also use that I'm going to encourage you to download. Um, but before we get into, into the verses, let's pray. Father, thank you for being able to meet here. Thanks for the rain. Um, and just thanks for everybody being here. Everybody that decided that this is worth it, that this is important, this is valuable, that, that you're important. And I pray that, that uh, we, can, we can learn about you, even in these complicated things, that, that you make them plain to us. And not because of anything I say, but because of your power and your Holy Spirit working in people to make things understood. I do pray you give me the right words, that you can work even through a sinful person like myself. Just let us learn. Let us glorify you. Let us do everything for your glory. Make your word clear to us. Amen. So as I said, you can follow along in uh, 1 Peter 1. And we're going to go back and um, you know, talk about uh, the, the huge amount that we talked about last week, which was about Peter. Um, so um, I have it on the screen as well. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Also, guys, please forgive me. I'm not a great person at pronouncing words. And if I get these words wrong, give me grace on that. Okay. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Okay, that's a lot of words, right? Like, that's, that's a lot of things in just a short amount of time. And I want to break them down um, and look at them kind of piece by piece and, and really see what Peter's trying to say. So, first thing we already discussed last week, his introduction. Peter declares who he is. He's like, I'm Peter. And what does he say? What's the very first thing he says when he introduces himself and his name? He puts his identity in Christ. He says... Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Right away, he's tying himself with Jesus, putting his identity in Jesus like we talked about last week. Next, we see Peter kind of address his letter, like write out who this letter is to. And he says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Um, I have a map here of those areas. And... So, but like, who, who are these people? What are these areas? Who are they? Well, first, let's look at the word dispersion. Um, in Old Testament, does anyone know what dispersion means? Maybe everybody does. A few people. Yeah, you had it. This is what he said right here. Uh, let the record show I'm moving my hands apart from each other. Uh, so in the Old Testament, it was originally used to describe Jewish people that were scattered throughout the world in places that weren't Israel, which was their home. So when you see dispersion, you can think of the word dispersed because it's describing people who have been dispersed from their home. 
That's dispersion. Um, in, in the NIV, it says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of those places. So it doesn't use the word dispersion, but instead uses the term exile. So showing people that have moved away, that aren't in their current home. So it's written about people that aren't currently living where home is. The elect exiles, the elect people in the dispersion. So we have the map here, and it's talking to these people. And um, I don't think it's necessarily a fact, but they say that um, the order that he wrote the names in could be the order that a messenger would take, these, would take this letter to, um, starting at the top and going like a clock until they've covered all those areas. Um, so it's the people in these areas that aren't currently living where home is. Um, but there's kind of a plot twist with this. You think, okay, maybe the people from uh, Galatia are supposed to be in Asia and Asian. Well, may- maybe, maybe these people are away from their physical home. Like, maybe if they were born in Carlisle, now they're in Harrisburg, or maybe they're in Maryland. But there's something more to it. Because even though some of them have left their physical homes, they're all foreigners. Even the people that lived in that exact same spot their whole entire life is still a foreigner, still considered to be a foreigner in that area. And why is that? Because their home, the home of the elect, is not on earth. They reside here for now. For a short time, they're here on earth. But home is ultimately in heaven, paradise with God. Um, I like like what this Bible says. Um, It's also NIV, but it must be a different version. Uh, It says, To God's elect, strangers in the world. It calls them strangers in the world. So not just exiles, not just people dispersed from their home, but strangers in the world. No place in the world is home for them. They're strangers to the world because their home is above. So we covered who's writing this, who it's to, and that the elect are aliens, humans on earth whose home is in heaven. So who, who are God's elect? Somebody say, who are God's elect? Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for asking. Let's, let's answer that. Uh, in verse 2, it defines who the elect are. So in verse 1, he starts by giving who he is and then his identity in Jesus. And then in verse 2, it goes on to describe who it's to and their identity in Jesus, to the elect and who their identity in Jesus is, what makes them the elect. So back to the, the verse. It says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. As we break this down, I want you to keep in mind that it touches on all three parts of who God is, the Trinity. It touches on God the Father, it touches on God the Son, Jesus, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. And when you hear the word elect, there's another word that you could 
that you could think of. So you could think of the word elect, or maybe in some of your Bibles, that word is translated to chosen. And you could think of the elect, and you could think of chosen, and um, that the elect are God's chosen people. Um, the NIV says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. There's that word, chosen. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So God's chosen people. And who are God's chosen people? So they're the elect, right? And the elect are God's chosen people. And who is that? Well, at a time, God's chosen people were, were Jews. And um, for a period of time, they were the only ones that could carry that title. That's not the case anymore. Now all Christians can and should identify themselves as God's chosen people, as the elect. Because that's what we are. Did you know that? Because um, if you didn't, this is, this is very, very valuable, very important to know. Did you know that God chose you? Yeah, like, like maybe you decided to follow Jesus at some point in your life. But did you know that in order to even do that, God had to choose you? You didn't get to make that choice on your own. But God chose you. And he chose you first. Um, Ephesians 1.4 Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So you were chosen. That's not all. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And that's something I can't fathom. That's not, that's not something I can understand. God's knowledge is not limited to time. It's not like, oh, you, you kind of came along and it's like, huh, you know, they're doing a lot of good. They're, they're pretty cool. I think I could use them. You know what? I'm going to choose them. No, before the foundation of the world, before one person took breath, God chose you. He knew you. There's never been a moment where God didn't love you, when he didn't choose you, you weren't chosen by God. It's not like just some random accident. When two cells started multiplying, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're chosen by God. And um, I wasn't originally planning on, on sharing these two stories, uh, but I was talking to somebody yesterday, um, a, a lady from Japan. And I, I just want to show you what, what two different examples of, of what it looks like to be chosen by God. So um, this lady, she was born and raised in Japan. Uh, she married somebody from the military, and they moved to Hawaii. And they were there for a really long time. They had a kid. They named him Noah. And uh, they, they weren't Christians. They weren't believers. They, they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, and out of the blue one time, uh, this Japanese lady's husband got a random friend request on Facebook. Excuse me. Got a random friend request on Facebook. He accepted it, and the guy messaged him. Said something along the lines of, God's, God is calling his people. And it just, that message let a, lit a spark in this guy. And he started, he, he became a follower of Jesus, 
And his wife, this Japanese lady, still wasn't. She wasn't really buying into it. Didn't feel like it was from her. It's really not a part of her culture. And he started praying. He was like, okay, like, take us wherever we need to be for my wife to become a Christian. Like, wherever she needs to be, take us there. Well, they got sent to Pennsylvania. And uh, she still, she really wasn't, really wasn't feeling it. And one day they went to uh, Panda Express where, where they, uh, she got to talking to this lady who is also Japanese. And they were able to speak in Japanese together. And this lady that worked at Panda Express was a Christian. And they started talking. And her husband, her, the Japanese husband, was going to, to church. And the, the wife was kind of just like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to go with you just because it's convenient. I know we're going somewhere after. I don't want you to have to go and then come back. And then, and then let's go. So I'm just going to start going with you. I'll sit through it. Well, that, that changed. Because she was chosen. She started going to church. She started to speak to this other Japanese lady. And now they do Bible studies in Japanese. Because she was chosen. It didn't matter what what decision she was going to make. God chose her before the earth was made. God chose her to get married to this guy in the military, go to Hawaii, name their kid Noah, go to Pennsylvania, start talking to this person from Panda Express to come to know Jesus. And then here's another example. There's a kid who was born in um, the Carlisle Hospital, and for most of his life, his dad was a pastor, and just as long as he can remember, he was raised in this Christian environment, just always loved Jesus. From as young as he knows, he gave his life to Christ. And that's because he was chosen. The stories don't have to look like the person from Japan who had to go through all these things for God to pull her out of her situation. It looks like exactly your story if you're a believer in Christ. You were chosen, whatever that story is. So next, Peter talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, he says, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit makes us holy it makes us set apart. And why is that important? It's crucial because without the Holy Spirit in us, we can't be holy. We can't be sanctified and we can't be set apart. Without being made holy, we can't reach eternal life. We can't somehow take our unholy bodies, our unsanctified bodies, and go somewhere as holy as heaven. We can't do that, and we can't do that for ourselves. The Holy Spirit has to come into us and make that change in our lives. The Holy Spirit has to sanctify us, make us holy, so that we can go to a place that's holy. Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. Next, Peter says, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. He wraps up the Trinity bringing it full circle as he writes about the blood of Jesus. 
which if you recall a few weeks ago, if you were here, we discussed the blood of Jesus and how without the blood of Jesus, we could never get clean. We can't clean ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. And without the blood of Jesus, there would be no forgiveness. No blood, no forgiveness. So in this very quick verse, Peter writes on all three parts of God and shows their individual importance and how even if we were just missing one of those three parts, that we would just be totally lost. God chose us before we could ever choose him. Before we had the, cho- the, the opportunity to choice him, choose him, God had to choose us. If God didn't choose us, we couldn't choose him. Jesus died for us, and without his blood, there'd be no forgiveness. And the Spirit sanctifies us because we need that holiness. We need to be sanctified. It says, going back to the verse, to those who are elect exiles, to those who are chosen, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. To those chosen, to the elect, to those that have been dispersed, to those that are living on earth when their home is in heaven, chosen by God, sanctified by the Spirit, and forgiven by Jesus. That's what makes people the elect. And that's what makes them God's chosen people. That's what makes his people sanctified. That's what makes us God's chosen people. And I can't speak to you, but if you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus, you are chosen. You are God's chosen people. You are his elect. You are part of the dispersion living on earth when, you, when your home is in heaven. I really like this verse in 2 Thessalonians because I feel like it really summarizes what Peter said here. It says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose us. He died for us. He sanctifies us. And that was a lot. I know that was a lot. Um, and uh, blame Peter. But I, I kind of just want to review the concept a little bit. And I honestly don't know what that looks like. I don't know what reviewing the concept looks like. Um, but I want to make sure that, that people understand. Um, so I guess just as a group here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off the recording. But as a group, I just kind of want to I want to hear from you, like, did you learn something? Did, did something stick out that I, that I missed? Like, um, I want to hear from you. So I'm going to stop the recording. And we're back. So the last part um, that we see Peter do, 
he prays for the people that he's writing to. Uh, the last part of the verse is, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Um, and, and that's kind of the closing of his greeting, uh, praying for each other. And so I love that, right, Peter's, Peter's like, okay, this is who I am. This is my identity in Christ. This is who you are. This is your identity in Christ. Prayer. I, just, I love that series of events. Um, and now I want to pray for you guys. So, dear God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this group. I pray that you bless them and help them to understand. Let them not quench the spirit, but to live in the spirit, to follow you and to be guided by you. I pray that we could grow towards you and each other and just learn to love you more. Just learn more about you and become more like you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for sanctifying us. We need, we need every part of that. I pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to this group. Amen.